If you're a business owner, you will be invited to networking meetings. And there are lots of different models out there where you can meet face-to-face, online and hybrid. So it's only right that when you are looking at networking, that you look to spend your time wisely, smartly and with the right kind of people. So if you're a man, you're not going to be going to the ladies networking, much that the ladies would welcome you. And of course, if you're in a certain type of business, you are going to want to make sure that you're surrounded by similar like-minded businesses. But of course, that all aside, it really does come down to people buying from people. And that's what our next guest, all the way from stateside, has set about to do with USA 500 Clubs. We're going to be making conversations about relationship marketing count. What's new, Wendy Wu? Well, I got to speak to a dragon. A real life dragon. Fairy tales do come true. Let me just tell you, if you want to find out more, you're going to have to head over to the makingconversationscount.com website where we're going to be popping a little blog about what's been going on there. But now let's get back to Making Conversations Count with Joe Chatham. Joe, welcome to the show. My first question for you has to be, tell me, why is the USA 500 Clubs different to all of the other business organizations out there? Uh, USA 500 Clubs, unlike traditional networking organizations, is focused on what we call relationship marketing. You know, nearly every competitor that I know of is focused on leads exchanges, handing out as many business cards as possible, um, trying to get as many people into a room as possible. Our focus is getting the right people into the room. For us, the right people is 65% attorneys and accountants, in-house counsel, the media, academia, and then uh, a number of other areas like financial services, banking, M&A, business-to-business insurance, commercial insurance, commercial real estate. So we focus on the quality of member. Our basic vetting guideline is 15 years of experience. And our number one rule is, uh, you know, uh, to put it polite terms, is no jerks. We really focus on finding the right people to bring into the room. When I say the right people, it's people who get the concept of sharing, who get the concept of being a good community member. My members are the types that volunteer at nonprofits. They're the types of members who are active in their communities. And when they walk into the room, they don't think, you know, the back of their mind, they may be thinking, you know, about business development, but ultimately it's about, can I form a good relationship? Can I establish and know, like, and trust the other person, at which point I'll feel comfortable to refer them to my clients, to my, you know, my family, to my, my uh, people that I care about. So I really do think it's about the sense of community and as opposed to networking about, it's about creating authentic and meaningful relationships. And we always say it's about bringing good people together and watching great things happen. It's so important now more than ever, isn't it, that putting relationships first and what you've just described to me there would conjure up to me quite a white collar community. It 
works hand in hand, doesn't it? That you'll have maybe the accountant that needs the solicitor, that the solicitor needs the financial advisor, then on a personal level, the mortgage person. So there's an opportunity for you all to be able to work together and collaborate. Correct. Uh, we don't, I mean, we don't have mortgage people or, or realtors or real estate people because they tend to be a little bit more B2C. But yes, you're absolutely right. It's people collaborating and, and, and working together. And it just sort of makes sense. There's other organizations that are fantastic for other service sectors, more of say vendor sectors, you know, where there's a lot of groups that they'll have residential realtors and they'll have plumbers and they'll have people who do nails and hair and they're fantastic and they're great organizations. Mars is focused, like you said, on the white collar uh, community. Yeah, it's it's that affiliated trades, isn't it? That, that that can work hand in hand that you would expect from the legal side to the money side and, and everything in between. I see that you've been doing that for uh, quite a number of years then, Joe. So when people come to join you as a club, I'm guessing that are you online at the moment and and looking to go back face to face? What sort of events do you put on? Uh, as an organization, we have 35 clubs up and down the East Coast and in Los Angeles. Sort of typical of many groups, we have, a, you know, each a person joins a particular club or chapter and they have that meeting on a regular basis. In our case, they're once a month. And since the pandemic, uh, we have been virtual. But our organization has done, uh, you know, between 80 and 100 events a month since the pandemic. And that is mainly not just to network. Like I said, that's not what we're about. We're about creating relationships. So what we've done in addition to those things is, for example, every week or two, we have a virtual tour somewhere in the world. You know, we were recently in your your part of the world, and we had a live docent doing a Jack the Ripper tour. And then we had um, another one in Scotland who did a Harry Potter tour and showed the castles of Scotland and Edinburgh. It, you know, we're going to the Forbidden City this month. We've been to Italy and you know all these places in the world. But all of them, besides having a live docent who's there or a licensed travel agent, we have focused networking portion for a brief part before it that's facilitated. And then it's conversations. Well, Wendy, you know, you're from England. You know, tell us a little. Have you ever been to these particular places? If you were a member here living stateside and we create conversations that are about bonding people. It's not like, Wendy, tell us about your business. You know, it's really about creating uh, ties. We have a lot of educational classes that we started early, which are focused on, number one, in the beginning, it was about getting through what we thought getting through the pandemic. But of course, that lasted longer than we thought. And the second stage was talking about practical tools of the pandemic, technology, thing like that. And then the third stage, which we're just winding up now, are called Turning Point Workshops. And these are twice a month, which are member taught classes about how to thrive during the pandemic finding the tools to actually be more successful. And they're taught by members and or their guests. On top of that, we have cooking classes. Now, none of these would you think are traditional, but like we had Mexican street tacos taught from a chef down in Mexico City. We had an event where everybody bought, we shipped out bottles of wine to everybody and did wine tasting. Now, some of these have become 
more difficult. You got my attention. <laughs> and then we had a professor from Yale who taught a class on the history of America through three drinks. And she taught about three drinks that were developed in America through our history that have become popular American standbys. So, but all of these, while they seem a little not networky, are are really about creating fun experiences. And there was a, there was also a level, Wendy, beyond networking, which was providing a place where our members could go, take a breath during all this stress and have a community. And that's really what we're about is community. So aside from our networking meetings, and I won't bore you with like a typical agenda of a meeting, you know, but everything is driven about putting people together and getting them to truly know each other. Wendy, what do you do? Oh, really? How many clients do you have? What's your average growth? Yeah, it's kind of a who cares, so what? Yeah, really. And most of us really don't. It's really, do I like you? You know, are you a person that I feel is competent? Are you a person that in our vetting process, we try to ensure that. But, but you know, is, is Wendy a person that I can refer to my top client? And yes, I feel, you know, I love Wendy. She's a great person. She's, you know, and, and it's funny that that word passes our organization, members of our organization's lips all the time. People are like, I love that person. Oh my gosh, I love that person. And, and it's amazing how often you hear people say, when you mention a member's name, oh my gosh, I love that person. Like we truly are a really tight knit community and a lot of business happens, but it's not because anybody's asking for it. We don't pass cards at our meetings. We don't even allow it. But business is constantly happening just because people like each other. I think when you have broken down all the barriers that surround us as business people, you've got my number, you've got my personal number, you've got my personal email address. We know that we like to go to the same coffee shop and pick up coffee on the way to the office. It's those sorts of things where you will bump into one another, attend an event and go do cook the same meal. And go, how did yours turn out? It's that bonding, isn't it? That's really where we all do well. And of course, that all comes through conversation. Right. About learning about each other. Not necessarily about having to, you know, interrogate somebody with a load of questions to find out, but in in a really relaxed setting, being able to sort of just share and experience different things. Right. And and another thing I would say is that when we're live and when we return back to some variation of live meetings, you know, we people always and I've read tons of obviously a lot about networking and this and that. And people will say, you know, go to a meeting, try to meet as many people as you possibly can and then follow up with them and this and that. You know, my training has always been. And when we when we do a lot of training with our members is, heck, if you're lucky enough to go to a meeting and talk to one person for, you know, for the conversational part of the meeting and they're, you're engaged with them for a half hour, then you're a winner. You've actually had a conversation. If you're looking over the shoulder, people always looking for the next best person that walks in the room, you're not doing it right. That's not relationship marketing. That's lead exchanges. The thing with that as well is that it's not just about the conversation then. It's about the body language that you're portraying. And even online, you can see that with people that are distracted because their phones are, you know, right here or you've got kiddies coming in through the door or, you know, your partner coming home from work and opening it to say, what's for dinner? Oh, sorry, you're online. But we're all human, aren't we? And we've kind of had a lot of that facade knocked down because of the way that we crave that communication and conversation with other people. So 
we've, we've made sure that we can facilitate that with online meetings and video. And One thing that I would say that we've tried to turn around is, and we've talked about it at meetings is, you know, Wendy, when your, your, your husband walks in or your spouse or significant other walks in, introduce us. You know, yeah, I know or, we do. Kid, that was or, Alice. Yeah, you know. <laughs> the, kid, the kid jumps on your the, the kid or the dog jumps on your lap, and and in reality, that's what makes us like you. Like when when you see the little kid's head come in from the side, and it's mom, dad. You know, I need this, and you're like, excuse me, uh, I I have to take care of my kid for one second. You know, yes, it's distracting from the conversation, but on the other hand, if I've known you, Wendy, for several years, or and I've heard you talk about your kids, I've heard about them growing up. And then all of a sudden, I get to see that teenager in the room who I remember when you were pregnant with them or whatever. Yes. Suddenly, yeah. it's like, it's real. It's real. It connects. And, you know, or even, you know, your dog and, you know, I mean, you're, you know, the spouse, whatever. We've had meetings where we've had events where it's, you know, bring your kids to it because. That means a lot. Having a daughter who's now in her senior year of high school and looking to go to college next year, you know, obviously I'm a very proud father, but boy, when she's walked in the room, you know, I tell people she's applying here, she's applying there, right? And then she walks in the room. I'm like, this is my daughter. I want you to meet her. And people- It's the pride. And we're all- Yeah. Gain that pride. And you're proud of them, even though, because, because we're friends, you're happy for my daughter. I mean, so that's the emotional connections that you never get with taking someone's business card, writing notes on the back of it, and then you stick it on your desk for three months to put it in your contact management system. And then after three months, you have a stack and you decide to throw it away anyway, right? (laughs) You can't throw away the experience of really having a nice conversation. It's funny, isn't it? Because it's one of those things that I'll say to people when I'm following up on the phone and that I know that they've been on holiday. And quite often I've sent something in the post. So I know that they've got something waiting for them when they get back. And it's, it's just by accident that that's happened. And you follow up and you go, how was your holiday? You know, and they're more than happy to tell you all about their holiday because that was their special period. They've worked all year for that holiday. And then, of course, you have to break back to the importance of why you called, which was that they, you, they'd got this thing waiting on their desk. And you're like, so I know when you got back to your desk, there was an awful lot of mail propping it up at one leg. <laughs> uh, by any chance, did you see our stuff that, you know, and people kind of they engage with that because you're appreciating that actually they probably did have a pile of stuff right. and might not have looked at it yet but you've took the time to talk to them about their holiday yeah and that's the relationship i know what your your primary occupation is and and knowing that and, and having talked to you about that in the past the understanding that sales is not sales sales is relationship building and then people choose to do business with you. Now there are some 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 trades that are, you know, a little harder sales, if you will. But most of it's just establishing a relationship, establishing the trust, you know, and yeah. and and educating for whatever product that may be or service. And then the, it's, I, it's natural. I prefer to think of all salespeople around the world, and of course everybody is in sales as teachers. A good ones. the clubs came around what what were you doing and how were you helping people then joe i was a mortgage lender and mortgage broker for 25 years so i started out of college in 1985 89 
uh, with a company called Household Finance, HFC, which uh, I believe now is owned by what became HSBC. And so a large company. And then I went out on my own in the early 90s and just did that up until I finally sold that business in 2015. And concurrently for a few of those years, I started building USA 500 clubs. But you know how I helped people in what I talk about hard, you know, what people would perceive as hard sales, mortgage sales, life insurance sales, things like that. I was on the you know mortgage sales side, but I always used to say, people, it either makes sense for you to do a mortgage or it doesn't. It's a, it's a, that's a purely, it's a numbers game and which product makes the most sense for how long you're going to be in the house. I don't have to sell you on it. You know, you hi, would you like to save $300 a month? Hi, would you like to save $300? Hi, would you like to save $300 a month and wait for someone to say yes? You know, it's, it's more about what are your, what are your lifelong goals? Oh, you're only going to be there for two years. Well, it may not make sense, right? It may cost you more. And so I helped people on the purchase side, you know, realize the quote American dream, right? Of home ownership or help them use savings strategically to fund college plans because they would do a certain type of mortgage or whatever. So it wasn't glamorous. It was just doing mortgage lending, but trying to be the best at mortgage lending that I could be. And I I think I did my job and I think I did it well. Yeah. I'm sure you were always putting what the customer needed first. The customer wants something but the customer doesn't always know what they need, right? Until you, because you're the expert, you know what all the facts are, you know the ways around things. And I'm not suggesting that you did things wrong. I'm just saying that, you know, if you don't know, you wouldn't get there. I mean, you know, one of the biggest thing, biggest lessons that I learned in, in mortgages was overpay if you can, you know. Take <laughs> um, one extra get- payment a year if you can. I mean, yeah, it it really, you know, really makes a massive difference to just pay that little bit more. So and and look, everybody that goes to work, no matter what role they're in, they want food in the fridge and a roof over their head. Right. Right. So, you know, you're instrumental in lots of people's security. Yeah. Yeah. 10,000 loans over that time period. So, uh, you know, it, it was it, it was a deeply rewarding business, but. It, you know, like most, like many businesses, especially over two and a half decades, a lot of changes happened. Yeah, a couple of crashes, which directly relates with my conversation that you're going to ask me about. So I don't know if that's a, a good segue. That's a good time to uh, shoehorn that in, Joe. Okay. As you know, in 2007, the mortgage markets, you know, started their their rapid rapid collapse. For many years, the phones in my company never stopped ringing. My loan officers were as busy as could be. Everybody was working. You know, things were great. The fall of that year, suddenly things weren't great. And it happened very, very quickly. The phones stopped ringing and people, you know, had to start laying people off. And my, and I, I still remember the day. It was a beautiful, uh, I'm from Southern California, although I live in Boston now. It was a beautiful Southern California day. And I was sitting out on my back porch and it was, I mean, it was gorgeous. I, I remember watching like there were seagulls flying uh, above and, and I felt like crying because I was like, my gosh, you know, at that point I had, you know, 18, 20 years in the business and I was like, and it's falling apart. And my wife came out to sit with me. She saw, I was just trying to, I was just thinking, taking some quiet time. 
And she came out and she sat down in the little, little Adirondack chair next to me. And she said, she said, and she calls me Joey. And she said, Joey, and she said, if you could do anything in your life professionally, what would it be? If you changed occupations, what would you, what would you do? And I said, and it, it didn't take me but a second. And I replied, I said, if I could do anything, I said, aside from being the permanent vacationer, I said, that's easy. I would be a professional networker. And then I went on to say, but you can't monetize networking. You know, you have to have a job to, to network about. You have to have a product or service that you're networking about. So my vision wasn't totally open. My vision was, I love networking. I had been involved with, you know, networking clubs in Southern California, developing business. And I absolutely loved it. I loved going out, you know, I went to meetings all the time and I met people and I truly thrived on the energy of people, but I didn't see how it, if, unless I walked in there with some sort of product to network about or service network about a value and a purpose, a, a value and a purpose. So I was like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't see it. And so we left that conversation. I went back into, you know, just trying to survive right in the, in the, in this mortgage world. And, but it did get me thinking. And I was like, well, you know, the only networking or I knew of, you know, there's always the chamber of commerce, things like that. And I was involved in another networking group and, but it, it got me thinking. And then in 2009, I'm still doing mortgages. You know, this is a couple of years after that conversation and serendipitously, when I moved here, the founders of the organization, California said, you're moved, you moved to Boston. Why don't we open a, a club out there? And it worked for me and it worked for them. I was still doing mortgages, but you know, I'd get, I'd get to meet some people here where I didn't have any friends uh, or, or contacts and, you know, they would help kind of pay for the socializing to get to know people and build this first club through that experience. And it was two years of doing it just on the side. I realized, you know, I could monetize being a professional networker that my product would be you know, networking. Oh, I, again, I call it relationship marketing, but I saw the model and I was in it and I saw how I could do it and how I thought I could do it better, you know, and not, not just the organizational structure, but the philosoph philosophical structure of the organization and which I've already discussed with you, not leads exchanges and not just shaking as many hands as possible, but actually getting to know people. So I started building my own. And, you know, I, I, I stopped working with the other company. I started my own organization, USA 500 Clubs. And in 2015, in December, in the months leading up to December, I decided to sell my mortgage business. I had survived. Uh, I was, you know, happy to be able to, to, to sell it to somebody who was out in California still. And here we are, you know, the, that, I started it in 2013. Uh, but 2015, I felt confident enough now that I had monetized the business where it could, it certainly didn't replace the income of the mortgage industry. I, I still took a hit, but I was happy. And I didn't have this, the stress of mortgage industry anymore. And I was happy to, uh, it was a very good industry to me. But all of a sudden I said to my wife, I said, do you remember that conversation when you asked me? She said, and she looked at me and she said, you said you'd be a professional networker, but it was impossible to monetize. And the monetizing wasn't 
the most important part, but you have to make a living, right? And so, so at that point in 2015, I said, you know what? I can take the hit financially, but I couldn't, I, I could no longer continue to take the emotional hit of just of a mortgage industry that continued to just be hard rates. I mean, refi, you had refi runs again and this and that. But at that point I was, I was beaten up and I wanted something that I felt was a little bit more, and this is getting heavy for talking about business networking, but something that was more spiritually rewarding. Um, no, Joe, I get, I get exactly where you're coming from because, you know, when you've done something, when you've done something and built something, and, and I can say this from my own personal experience is that, you know, March, 2020, the rug of 15 years, hard work was pulled. Right. So the tap stopped overnight and there's no fault of mine. Right. And it was no fault of yours. You know, you're you're working with what you can and you and you're fighting that current because, you know, you strike me as a sort of person a bit like myself. You're not going to give up. You are not going to be defeated. You're going to give it your best shot you know, and until they carry you out, it's that kind of feeling. But of course, you know, what changed and, you know, money's never been my driver. I'm always just happy to be happy and passionate about what I do. And I think if you, if you wake up wanting to do it, the money will come. I think, you know, I really do trust that that process will happen because it's 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 the energy it's it's what you put out that people will help you along the way whether you see it as help whether you ask for help or not those opportunities will arise and and take you where you need to be so look 7 years on have and you've monetized it yeah and i had, and i was lucky because i i mean everything comes with a bit of luck right and a lot of help from other people and i was fortunate in that the initial set of people that I met here and many people subsequent to that were so supportive of my mission and they bought into the mission and they said, you know, I want to be part of this kind of community and I'll support Joe in growing it. I couldn't have done it without hundreds of people. We only take referrals. You can only join the organization with a, a, a sponsorship and people taking that step to sponsor somebody into an organization. Now, there's lots of networking groups, right? but it means that they they really believe in it. That's the point, isn't it? That what you saw, the value and that culture that you wanted to create that is missing from some networking organizations is what other people were missing too. Right. And that was that was what they saw was that vision yeah. of, you know, we can keep control of this. We can also grow this organically. This will only ever benefit me and others. And that's what we're, we all want to do, isn't it? Is, you know, to have that kind of community. It's like creating a family. Yeah, in business. It, it is. We're, we're a big, we are, we're a big family and, you know, but, the, but, you know, just coming back quickly to that conversation is that, you know, you, at your shows talk about these meaningful conversations that change lives and, and it's something that seems relatively innocuous, right? And boy, did it teach me a lesson, which is it's not impossible and that you just need to think it through. For me, it was somewhat serendipitous, but my wife had planted the seed 
of that. And my wife has planted, you know, I mean, many seeds of wisdom for me in my business. And sometimes, as you know, and she doesn't work for the business or anything, but sometimes it takes an outsider to to point out the most obvious things, right? Yeah, so yeah. I've been very, very lucky. Very, very lucky. I've just literally had a conversation with somebody who said, look, when you decide to do something, you worry about the how you do it afterwards. If you put if you put the why you can't do it first, you'll never do it. So there's a lesson to decide to do it and worry about it along the way. Was it Edison that said, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right? Henry Ford, I oh, think it was. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> but it's true, isn't it? You know, and I think Edison said, you can fail 99 times, but actually it's not failing. It's proving that it can't be done 99 times. The hundredth, it will work. Right. That's a great quote. Yeah. That's a great one. <laughs> Joe, I'm so glad that your wife said, Joey, what are you going to do if you did something else? I think it's a, a perfect question that we could all ask ourselves, that if it all feels that bad, you know, that what you're doing, you, if you're fighting that current, you know, ask yourself that question, what do you want to do instead? And then just decide to do it anyway, because then you're, you're halfway there, right? Right, right. You'll figure out a way. I'll always find a way. Joe, I could talk to you for a lot longer than we have time for on the show today. Thank you so much for joining me from Boston. If people want to carry on the conversation and they want to find out more about the USA 500 or they just want to chat with you, what's the best place for them to come find you? The website is www.usa500clubs.com and that's clubs, plural, uh, .com. Or you can always write me directly. It's joe at usa500clubs.com. Well, like I said at the beginning, Joe, you never know where a conversation will lead. I hope that you'll pick up some good conversations from our chat today. Now, I hope that you will listen to your partner the next time they give you a piece of advice that you've asked for. We're not talking about the pieces of advice that you don't ask for. But as you'll understand from today's conversation, it really was a turning point for Joe. Now then, next week, we're staying stateside. We have a big, larger than life guest coming along to talk to us. And he will boom drop the mic and bring all of that energy and all of that excitement. But it's somebody that I've met that is equally deadly serious about what he does and how he can help people. It's the fabulous Larry Long Jr. I'm giving you a little preview. Today's episode, we're going to talk about, hey, where are you at to your second half of the year goals? So don't forget, follow the show. Make sure you get that red notification that comes up every time a new episode is dropped on a Thursday. If you've loved what you've heard, it would be great to hear what your favourite takeaway was. Drop us a line in the review sections. We do shout them out when we get them. And of course, 
Share the conversation with somebody that you think would benefit from hearing the stories that we're telling here on the show. Till next week, keep making those conversations count. Oh, 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 oh